welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for 2019, and I promised myself I would stop singing the 2019. Um, but I'm not gonna because I like it too much, and uh, you know, I don't know. Anyway, joining me tonight, or today, or tomorrow, or Tuesday, because after all, it's your podcast, is a man who you could say that his games have a stronghold on my heart. You could say that if he was conducting an orchestra, he wouldn't just get an encore, he'd get a bon encore. <laughs> it's, it's from Stronghold Games. Oh, that's got to be the worst puns ever. Bonacore. Come on. Oh, very good. Very, very clever. I like it. I like it. Do you like that? Do you like, yeah, do you like Richard, that? Yeah, Richard, thank like you so that? much for having me on. This is great. I am absolutely delighted and I must be I'm I'm kinda nervous but I'm also excited so I might say some stupid things but there's you know there is um there's no change or there's <laughs> no change to kinda normal. Um for everybody who's listening for the first time, the reason that we do this is quite simply because it's kinda like Star Trek and the Enterprise and we're on an ongoing mission to kinda seek out kind of people to talk to about the hobby. And, you know, on the off chance, I um, had an interaction on Twitter with Stephen and said, hey, do you fancy coming on the show? And I was expecting to get blocked. And he said, yes. <laughs> and then there's been email. Then there's been emails. And and then now, now we're here. And it's um, this is it's a fantastic place. This is great. Absolutely. So how are you doing anyway? How are you on this fine day? Oh, it's great. It's, you know, it's. It's cold here in Florida. It barely made like uh, seventy degrees today. I don't know. You guys use Celsius, <laughs> right? Uh, so I can't. I can't calculate that. But that's probably um, around it's, twenty um, Celsius or something like that. I do. Um, I do, I do work in Fahrenheit because I do have friends in California. There you go. Um, and all across you kind of the US. So it's a good, it was a balmy 32 degrees Fahrenheit oh. here today. So it was a little bit, it's, um, there's a little bit of it's snow. It's been a, um, it's actually been a bit of a cold front here, uh, in, in South Florida, but, but still, even with, you know, a cold <laughs> South Florida, it's so much warmer than every place else across, well, everywhere almost. So yeah, and right now, uh, I just saw this on the news this morning, the, the, it, there's record cold temperatures across almost half the United States right now. It's in, in Fargo, North Dakota. Okay. That's pretty darn, darn far up there. It's minus, far up there. minus 57 degrees with the wind. Okay. So that's with the wind chill, but in Chicago, which, is cold certainly and very windy during during this time of year. Yeah. It's still it's it's like minus thirty plus. It's just terrible right now. So while I, I like crazy. to joke about how wonderful the Florida weather is, and I torture torture my New Jersey friends because that's where I I just moved <laughs> from there about a year ago down here to South Florida. I torture them with pictures of me in the pool in the winter and stuff like that. I do I do hope that everybody, both in the U.S. and across Europe, and all of the listeners, stay warm, be careful because temperatures like that obviously are you know life threatening, really bad. 
So have you put on like a light jumper today, or maybe a slight cardigan because of how cold it's I'm, been? I'm in, I'm in, in Florida. I'm in shorts and a t-shirt like I am every day. <laughs> I, I have, I, I make a joke about. It. I say I have a no pants policy when I'm in Florida. I mean, no long pants, of course. I wear, I wear shorts all the time. The only time I put long pants on is like if I go to a fancy restaurant and I put on like a pair of jeans. That's like it. I mean, it's just a policy I have because it's. It's so nice out here. So it's, uh, I, I'm always, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to have, you know, had the, the opportunity, the means and everything to, to, to move my life, you know, and the company and everything from, from New Jersey, which has its pluses, but weather, weather is not one of them. (laughs) So leaving there was, uh, was a blessing and it's a really nice thing to be down here in Florida. Was it just, was this as like a company decision just to kind of move? Was it the entire base of operations that you moved down to Florida then? Or was, uh, yeah. well, well, that opens up a very big question. You know, when I decided to move to Florida, uh, it took a while. To, it mm-hmm. took a while to do the whole thing. You have to get the the house in order. You got a, a several steps. So it took a year and a half at least to actually do that move. But moving a mm-hmm. company is much easier than you think when it's a game publishing company that's not like, oh, Asmodee, because we are all very small operations for the most part. So literally it was moving mm-hmm. two two employees down and a cat uh, and um, bringing that down to Florida. Uh, and uh, most of the rest of the company was like like my, my illustrator and graphic designer, Bill. He's out in Ohio, so he works remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, and that mm-hmm. essentially was the whole company until just this past year when, of course, as you know, I believe, Stronghold Games and Indie Boards and Cards merged, creating a yeah. new parent yeah. company called Indie Game Studios, but still having the brand Stronghold Games, which I am the president of and I manage that brand, and Travis Worthington is the CEO of the entire group, and he manages the brand of Indie Boards and Cards. Uh, and we have hired aggressively. So now we are actually at 12 or 13 full-time people. Um, and that's pretty astonishing if you think that both of us managed one-person companies only two years yeah. ago or so. Two years ago and a half, say, uh, both of us were a one-man, one-person company, and now we are 12, 13 people strong. So were you like the Jamie Stegmaier kind of <clears throat> operation where you kind of you brought people in kind of as you needed them um, on kind of like a freelance basis, an ad-, ad hoc basis, and now you're in the situation where you've actually got kind of like staff and, and everything that kind of comes along with Absolutely. that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. Jamie, what a great guy, and he's been great for the hobby too. So uh, kudos to him, and, and yeah. he's, he's just a wonderful, honest individual i love the guy met him a couple of years ago yeah. and, and it was uh you know just a great time to, to talk to him but exactly that you know you, you start small and then all of a sudden you hit critical mm-hmm. mass for something and then you have to bring somebody on and then you hit critical mass for something else and you have to bring somebody on uh and then once we merged so we both kind of travis and i both did that independently to a certain extent and then when we mm-hmm. merged the companies we realized that we now had critical mass on a lot of things, including cash flow and profitability. And now he said, like, okay, well, we got to spend some of this and we're going to bring on, um, a, uh, project managers to take on some of the men, to take on many of the projects that we do. We're going to bring on a, a marketing person, full time marketing. One small company can't have a full time marketer, but a larger company 
and we're now one of the largest yeah. in North America, we can do that. And that makes sense. And you get better – you get uh, people who can be more specialized and more focused on a job and that just works out for everything and everybody. Is it resulted in, is it resulted in you having to um, reawaken some of the older skills that you maybe had? Because you've been – you know I mean? You've done – been a lot involved in a couple of fortune companies you know was that was that a case of you kind of dusting off the old kind of suit jacket and you know obviously with short <laughs> sleeves and kind of like wait awaking the skills that you kind of used to have what? and say okay we've got to get you know we've got to get our back to kind of like being a bit corporate now and stuff like that no no that's so so no i i, I would say that's not not the case where, you know, this is a very casual industry on every, mm. on every level. Um, mm-hmm. and certainly we're not, we're not looking at it like, um, you know, we, we need bureaucracy involved. But what we do need is people with specialized skills, uh, yeah. who can focus on one thing versus somebody that you hire that's a generalist and has to do many things. For example, like, so Bill Bricker, who is, who was my director of art and marketing, uh, for Stronghold alone, he is, by his very nature, an illustrator. This is what he loves to do, and this is what he's best at. An artist, yeah. right? He, he wants to draw pretty pictures, but he took on the role of not only that, plus graphic designer, which is a very different skill set, related but different, plus my, plus doing my marketing, because I needed someone to help to do that. Now Bill can focus almost exclusively on drawing pretty pictures. So he is now my director of art. We've passed off all of his marketing uh, work toward to Kira Peevely, who is part of the uh, the combined company. She used to work yeah. at Colossal Games. She is an she amazingly did, yeah. Yeah. talented person. So I know Kira. Yeah, I know Kira. Um, yeah, I know Kira um, through Colossal. And uh, we've chatted a few times anyway. So, yeah, yeah. she's, she's a great. Wonder. Yeah. One, absolutely. So she's not full time with us, but she's almost full time. She she's consulting, but so she has a couple of other much much smaller clients. But she's mm-hmm. really doing almost everything, you know, uh, for us uh, and certainly all of our marketing uh, and like graphic design that Bill did still does some. But we had uh, or Travis had on his staff already a full time graphic person. So so uh, that's Daniel Solis, and so Bill has been able to give him some of that work. So you give people. You, you focus on someone's strengths and mm-hmm. that's going to make them more productive and the company better. Now, does that mean it's more corporate because people are siloed? I, I, I wouldn't say that, but it makes people more efficient and probably yeah. enjoy the work that they do even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're no longer having to be kind of like doing multiple hats, you know, wearing the multiple hats, multiple days. And mm-hmm. I know sometimes if you haven't got a defined role, it can lead to you being a little bit kind of jaded quite easily if you feel there's like a little bit too much kind of on your shoulders in terms of kind of responsibilities. And sure. people are people are usually good because of a, like a like a kind of passion. Um, the games themselves obviously still remain the kind of the main passion behind it. You know, the one of the you know I have a copy of um, Escape from Atlantis on my shelf, and it comes out. Again and again and again, all the time, and it's always been kind of um, good fun. Do you still go back to the kind of the the first kind of games that you published? Do you still get them on the table? Do you still, you know, are you likely to be, you know, if we walked into the office, you'd be pushing about in a boat with a couple of survivors on it while you're flipping <laughs> a couple of island discs over it? 
We're, you know, we're so focused, uh, this industry for, for better or for worse is really Mm. focused on the cult of the new, right? So we have to always be marketing, um, pushing, uh, demoing, showing people what's new and what's hot and what we really need to kind of push. So, um, so survive is a great example. Survive is, survive was my biggest selling game. And in, and in, and in total units, I'd have to actually do the math. It's still pretty close to my number one selling with, of course, terraforming now going absolutely bananas and going past that. So survive. Um, we, I do not demo that game, uh, for people these days, unless it's like maybe a family member who's not yeah. a gamer. Therefore, I'll pull it out and show it to them. But like for the general gaming public, no, but neither do I demo terraforming Mars because uh, that game has got a life of its own. It's doing what it's doing. So I'll take some of my like new hit products, like new products that I want to make hits. Flam Rouge, for instance. This yes. game keeps going up and up and up and up in the ratings. And we've been showing it off. And every time I show off that game, I think I sell two more copies of it because it's that much fun. It's that good of a design and you can play it with anybody. In fact, I showed that game over the holidays to my family and they are, like I said, not gamers. And I put it in front of them. I said, we're going to play this bicycle racing game. And they're like, what? Bicycle racing? I'm like, yeah, tr- <laughs> trust me on this bike racing. I know it's a European thing. We don't even know, we don't even know what bikes are in this country. It's a bicycle racing <laughs> game. Just trust me on that. My brother's into sports and stuff. He's like, hey, all right, whatever. Yeah. He played, he goes, he goes, I am the greatest player at this game of all time. This game is great. I love it. I want a copy. I'm like, okay, take this one with you. Goodbye. And then, and now he, lo- now he loves the game. So, uh, yeah. So it's, it's about, it's about really what we need to show off at any given time. And then, so it's very situational. Yeah. But Flam Rouge is like what I would call a discoverable game. As yeah. in, you know, something like Terraforming Mars, huge wave of hype behind mm-hmm. Terraforming Mars. Flam Rouge is obviously is one of these games that somebody will kind of bring to the table and say, well, we could play this. And then, as you say, you know, it's, it's you know, everybody that says, oh, have you played Flam Rouge? It's like, I haven't yet. And it's like, you need to play this game because it's really, really good. It doesn't seem to be one that I've seen people shouting and screaming from the skies, but it seems to have consistently people just saying, played Flam Rouge for the first time last week, really, really thoroughly kind of enjoyed myself kind of thing. Absolutely. And we're going to be supporting that game going forward. We already have one expansion. A second one's coming out really soon. So mm. that's Flam Rouge Meteo. It's weather mm. effects on the track. So that's going to be really good. So yeah, it's a, it's it's an exciting time here at the Stronghold. It really is. Does, I mean, we talk culture than you, but with... Games like you obviously like Flam Rouge having the success, you know, the success, and you talking about the expansions, and obviously the number of expansions that have come out for terraforming Mars. Um, when you've got a game like that in your hands and you've like you've you've bottled lightning, as you would say, is that the way forward? You know, kind of building on that, kind of adding in expansions, adding in kind of little additions, just to kind of to add on additional kind of playability to the game. You know, like they've done with, like, say, Battlestar Galactica and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Did you see that as a way kind of forward to kind of keep the interest in terraforming Mars kind of going, or was it always something that was in the game plan? Was there always kind of expansions kind of sitting there waiting to come to the table with it? Very good question. Well, um, terraforming Mars is a... uh, a 
product that we got uh, from Fricks Games, right? That's yeah, the design yeah. house. They actually, they own the IP. We license it from them. When they pitched it to us, we took um, a lot of time uh, and worked with them. They are a, a young company. Uh, it, they had had other designs. They were not successful. When they pitched us, we said, whoa, there's something really interesting here. Um, not only is Mars, of course, like such a a big thing in both pop culture and and science right now because you know mm. you know we're you know I I've, I've been saying I mean in my lifetime and I'm a lot older than you in my lifetime <laughs> I believe that I am going to witness people setting foot on Mars which is a f- astonishing thing it's a lot harder than going to the moon which we did with 1960s technology anyway yeah, yeah. so so it's a big thing in 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 people's minds so besides that I said this game has really got something here it's got like everything that most kind of Euro gamers like, yet using a theme that's not Euro, this could have some interesting traction. So we worked with them to make that game even better than it was originally. I mean, I I, I had a uh, developer that was on my team, and he worked tirelessly with them back and forth and, and put it into a really great place. It took us an extra year to get it there. And in that time... They had been working on ideas for expansions. So they barely, they didn't really tell us about that. But, and, and, and every game, the designers have an idea for an expansion. Yeah. But you don't really yeah. want, you don't want that yet. You want to see that the game is going to work and the reception to the game. But they had those ideas. They were able, they were able to independently develop those ideas even further, which was great. So then when Terraforming Mars hit and it was such a success, we immediately had the year after it came out, which was uh, uh, mid-late 2016. Then in 2017, we were able to release two more expansions that year, and they're very good ones. And two more expansions in 2018, also very well received. And we have already kind of sort of announced a fifth one for this year, but... I'm not supposed to talk too much about it until until we are trying to. I got in trouble recently for talking at a turn. Yeah, I did because you know they they they're they're young guys and they want to control the news cycle. I get it. So so uh, it proved one thing to to them and to me that like you know when when Bonacore speaks, you know people are kind of listening. So it went like geek viral. It was all over BGG and oh my god, they got this coming, they got this coming. I'm like oh my god, now I'm in tr- now I'm really in trouble. So. Was this the legacy thing? Oh, uh, gosh, yeah. That was, that was the big one. But then there was also the mention. So, yeah, the legacy one is not coming this year. That I got to squash yeah. immediately. That's, that's a longer-term project. Who knows? And they've kind of admitted to it now, too. But, there, but I also mentioned the name of the expansion coming out. So there will be one coming next year, uh, this year, in 2018. Right. And only one. We're going we're gonna to hold it to one. Uh, yeah. So we want to slow down just a little bit, but it's a big expansion. So it's got, it's got, it makes, all, it, 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 it changes the climate. And I, and I mean that as a pun, not as, not as literally. It changes the, the tone of the game. Um, <laughs> like a thermometer at the side or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it changes the tone of the game for those who, who want, you know, just even more meat. So, you know, makes it a little bit bigger. Of a game in some ways, but you know, not that not that you need to play with it all the time, or maybe people don't want that, which is fine. But it yeah. it'll it'll make the most material change that that ha- we have seen in the game so far. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Do you know, is a big is a big expectations for how people perceive 
kind of terraforming Mars. Because for a while, I'll be honest with you, I thought it was actually called One Terraforming Mars because every time I looked at the BBG chart, it was right up the very top. And I was like, you know, <laughs> and it was like, you know, it was kind of like getting hens. It was kind of like getting hens teeth trying to get hold of a copy. It was kind of like, I've seen it for yeah. $80, $90, $100. There was like, there was no secondhand market. There was usually, I mean, even in the most popular games, there's always, it doesn't always kind of, you know, people don't always click with everything, but there was never ever a kind of a spare copy of Terraforming Mars kind of going we, around. We it had a just... huge, huge supply issue early on, and uh, I mean, and it wasn't because we were constraining supply. Everyone gets, no. you know, we got accused of it. People get accused of that, and it's not. It's just not true. I'm not no. in the business of not selling games. I'm in the business to sell you games. Yeah. So we uh, we did it. We took a nice big bet in the initial print run, and the demand was twice that size so we printed the next print run we printed twice the size and the demand was twice again so it just snowballed and snowballed we've now throttled it and we've got we've got the number that we need to be printing on any given on any Mm -hmm. given basis so we're okay uh we're not gonna let it run out of stock for any length of time i mean you you always have that like oh it'll be in in a month kind of thing but we're not gonna see any more real supply uh chain problems with that uh uh, we've, we've, we've got it down to how many we need to print at any given time. And it's, it really is a great, a great, uh, thing for the company and for gamers because it is that good of a game. I hear you're a really big fan of the game, aren't you? <laughs> mm. I'm, yeah, I, I love the game. In fact, really? Got, yeah, mm. I totally adore. <laughs> <laughs> so let me, yeah, let me see. Let me see what I read here now. Um, you you posted on Facebook that you weren't a fan. Uh, you appeared on the sporadically board game podcast. You called it an overrated game at Tabletop Scotland. It was your entry for Room One Hundred One. I don't even know what that means. That must be like a British ism of some type. So uh, I, yeah, um, hmm. I, um, I'd like to point out at the time that that was actually my evil twin. Um, then the, actually, um, if I can, if I can show you my the Skype camera, you can actually see the the tattoo. There of, you go. Um, terraforming Mars that I've got emblazoned across my chest. Um, there we go. All right, you've come around on then, maybe. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, do you know what? It's one of these things. It was a perfect storm of events that sometimes something doesn't click. And it was one of those things that clicked. Unfortunately, it's one of those things that when you're on social media and you make a joke about something, it turned into a joke and it turned into a meme. Yes, I yeah. am trying to dig myself out of my pit. <laughs> and speaking to the president of the game company, okay. who's just told me about all the expansions that's coming on. And please please, please don't hurt me and send the, the boys round. I'm too, I'm too you young want- to die. <laughs> you want me to send uh, Guido and uh, Sylvester over there to take care of you? What do you want me to do here? No. What do hey, I, I look like, an idiot here? Come on, <laughs> you're embarrassing me. You're embarrassing yourself. Go and sit down. Sit down. You go and play Survive. You go and play with your little island and your little sharks. Yeah, you go play that little kitties game. That's yeah. pretty good. That's pretty I'm going to show up but no, so it, it, I always say, I always say, you know, everybody has, you know, not every game. I, I, if everybody, if every game was for everybody, I don't know, then we'd all have no money because we'd be buying everything. But yeah. I mean, even the most popular games, um, I, I, I point out, uh, you know, let's, let's not use Terraform. Let's use Pandemic Legacy. Okay. Yeah. As a really good example of, of a game that in my humble opinion, you know, not only it's, it's, 
it sets a standard for what, if you want to do a legacy game, the way to do it. It is absolutely brilliant in its concepts of what it did, not, you know, it, for that genre. There was, of course, yeah. one before that, at least, that was a uh, uh, risk legacy that Rob mm-hmm. did. But they now took this fantastic game system and then he layered unbelievable legacy. Now, there, I'm sure, I guarantee there are people who said like pandemic, who say pandemic legacy sucks. They just will not play it because A, you gotta like cooperative. B, you gotta like a cooperative game that might be, uh, prone to the alpha gamer thing where, you know, one person's telling everybody what to do because that's gonna happen in that style of cooperative. And you gotta like legacy. So there's so many reasons why you might not like it. But if you, Will if you like those things and you appreciate a great design, I think it is absolutely brilliant. I played it and I just think it is astonishing. And in general, Legacy is just a great idea. So not every game is going to be for every person. So no, no, I do not fault you if you really don't like terraforming. Or <laughs> certainly, I, I know that you said you had a bad like first play experience, but yeah, that's think, yeah. that could just be who taught it, but but whatever. But I think yeah. I think terraforming is a is a brilliant design that. Uh, not only will stand the test of time, but, um, you know, is, is great also because it's actually using like real projected science to, to in the game system. You know, it's, this is, this is a major undertaking to actually terraform a new world. But, you know, in 400 years from now, could we begin such a process with, with the way that it's kind of unfolding in the game? Mm, I think it's at least on some level a feasible, mm-hmm. it's, it's feasible. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Did it change the direction of the company? I mean, were you ex- when you went and published it? Were you expect? Would you? I mean, you obviously you said that the print run we didn't live up to the print run. I mean, another game that seems to be suffering from print run um, kind of problems or supply and demand problems is Wingspan. To the point that mm-hmm. Jamie Stegmaier wrote a blog piece just to say, guys, distributors, we need to have a talk about how we kind of forecast numbers and forecast print runs and stuff like that because people want wingspan and people are going crazy for wingspan with terraforming mars as i say did it change the kind of the direction of the company and did you have to go to the whiteboard with a five-year plan and just take the the eraser and go okay well you know that's that kind of done now what can we do did it kind of change the fortunes and help bring things forward um before you were expecting them to happen well, it's, it's trans, it was transformative for the company. Mm. And certainly, um, and certainly it, it was a major factor mm-hmm. in the merger with Indie Boards and Cards. Uh, Stronghold became a very attractive thing for a company to, to acquire or to merge with. And yeah. in the end, we, we, we decided that, you know, Travis Worthington and I decided that not only were we very good friends, uh, in the industry, not only did our companies grow up in a similar way at a similar time, he had hits with a lot of smaller games like Coup, The Resistance, Avalon. And, yeah. and not only that, but, you know, we could now bring the forces together and make a very large, even more successful company to really and I, I use the term loosely, fight against, you know, the, the even bigger companies, company, mostly, uh, <laughs> Asmodee, which yeah. is, which is dominating the industry, it, it, it mostly, 
mostly in not bad ways because they have been a net, in my humble opinion, a net positive for hobby gaming over time. But after a certain amount of time, having one company completely in control of so many big games and studios, etc., and distributors, they're getting a little bit too big to be comfortable for yeah. everybody else out there. So, yeah. us coming together to do what we're doing here is a part of a response to to that market condition. And yeah, yeah. and you you see you see mergers and uh you see consolidation of companies in a healthy industry very often. It's not just hobby gaming. This is a small industry compared to most. Consolidation is huge so that you can then gain additional market share, gain uh, talent, gain the mind share of the consumer, which is really what we're doing right now, right? We're, we're putting the focus of the gamers who maybe they knew Stronghold and our titles, oh, wow, look at this other company that's yeah, sitting yeah. alongside with their smaller titles or vice versa. Travis and company did 40-plus successful Kickstarters, 40-plus successful Kickstarters. Now Stronghold, those people can now see what Stronghold has been doing. And, of course, this gives us the ability to run Kickstarters because we now have the talent and the genius behind how to do it on staff right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was so that allows you to the thing about Kickstarter is it takes slightly takes you outside the distribution network as well is that um Kickstarter allows in some ways for complete unknowns to actually get somewhere and get noticed as well for kind of talent new talent to get picked up as well as old talent to mm-hmm. kind of shine as well and I think it's it is kind of important I hear people talk about Asmod I mean when I was talking to Isaac Vega. You know, the other week, mm-hmm. the you know, Asmodee, um, they own Plaid Hat Games. You know, so yes, and he was joking do. about you know he was talking about the kind of like yeah we're still kind of kept kind of independent, and then for me, I've said this before that I've seen big corporations take over video games, and what happens is that then you get little side effects like PR companies that if Asmodee bought say yourselves out then me trying to say okay Stephen do you want to come on the podcast it would be a case of I'm sorry you're going to have to speak to XYZ in the PR team (laughs) and we can discover if you know I can discover if you know if your numbers are big enough or you've got a big enough reach or an expansion or you know and here's the questions you can ask so I've seen that control within the video game space and that all that is one of the parts of the things that concerns me about the board game space is that if the corporate's do sneak in and tar- start to take control. Yes, stay in the background, stay as the money guys, help with the distribution, help with things like that. But it's when they start to sneak in and trying to control the information and the critique that kind of scares me, which is, I think, guys, mm-hmm. that's why guys like you are really, really important. If You know, you know, I mean. you, know you know what, Richard? You know what I say? I'll promise you categorically right now mm. that regardless of the future of Indie Game Studios – Stronghold Games and, and Indie Boards and Cards. I will always be available to come on podcasts and meet the fans and stuff like that. I don't, mm. I would, I would never, uh, be part of any kind of merger or acquisition where they silenced me from being the person that I am because I am now, have always been and always will be a gamer and mm. a social 
uh, I'm like the most social, most extroverted person on the planet, and I just want to be out there talking yeah. about games and evangelizing games with people that I like, and like like podcasters. You guys do a great job to help the gamer know what's going on. Give me yeah. a platform, and I'm always going to be on that platform as long as you allow me to. And I would never sell to someone who said, well, we got to have to control, you know, where you're talking. No, I mean, if they <laughs> exactly. want to control the information flow, like, well, don't talk about this project. We haven't announced it. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I should have, I should have kept my mouth shut about <laughs> Terraforming Mars Legacy. And I got, <laughs> I got my hand slapped. Even the president of the company get their hand slapped on that. But I would uh, never like not want to be on here just to say how wonderful the things are going between the companies and the, and the projects that are now ongoing that we're allowed to talk about. That I will always do. I promise you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With regards to you mentioning um, Kickstarter, because you've that's something that you've you know you're now involved in that now because you've got um, I mean there is a Kickstarter on Kickstarter that's got Stronghold Games on the name mm-hmm. on there, and that's your that's AfterShock. You like um, you like the way I uh, I kind of like transitions into Kickstarter for you there. You like that? Huh? I, I, I kinda, I'm pretty good just, at this. I took, the, I, took, <laughs> I took the little lead. I thought, okay, I'm being fed a line here. I better take it. <laughs> Try to win back That's some it. grace. But <clears throat> you've got. I mean, have you been? I mean, have you have you had much experience with Kickstarter before? Anyway, as in, have you been kind of? Um, did you back games and things like that? You mean, did you, or were you kind of like, well, it's a thing that is in the hobby, but I'm kind of staying away from it myself. Well, so Stronghold has run one Kickstarter uh, yeah. in its entire time. That was four years ago, I believe. Uh, yeah. And it was for Space Cadets Away Missions. And yes. the reason that I did it uh, was to test the market. That's a $100 game, 102 plastic custom, you know, uh, miniatures in the game it's uh-huh. a big plastic so basically i was at the time four years ago trying to say well is there a market for stronghold to be like the next fantasy flight you know can can we be into that market and it went very well it didn't do millions but it did one hundred and fifty thousand ish in that area did yeah. very well funded successful game people love it they still ask me to do expansions for the game uh-huh. so so that's that's my experience but it was a lot of work and i did not want to go back to it Myself. Meanwhile, sure, I've backed a few things here and there. The biggest yeah. thing that I backed there was a board game table. You know, I wanted to get a nice table and they, yeah. boardgamestable.com. They ran a Kickstarter. I did that. I've, I've backed, uh, games from Andrew Parks, like Dungeon Alliance. Mm-hmm. Um, I always back, uh, things for, um, like the Secret Cabal podcast, which I'm a major sponsor of. So I'm always backing and giving yeah, them yeah, 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 money, yeah. money on that as well. And some books and some other small games and things like that. So I am not one of the biggest Kickstarter backers out there, but that's basically because also I get, I like to also get my games, uh, when I do get them. I, I just like to go support the local game stores too. So I, I go out there and I buy games at local game stores when I can. Um, being on Kickstarter now, however, is completely <laughs> different than me backing. Uh, it's now a it's a matter of having a great team behind me that can put this all together, manage it all. We all, of course, together create, well, what's going to go into this game and what we can offer in the stretch goals and what we can offer, you know, uh, in the aftermarket for it. We all do that together, and now we have a team that's going to execute this this process for 
the for stronghold games. Otherwise, I could not do this alone with all the other work that I have to do as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, we did a we finished the Kickstarter recently over Christmas period, and it's not a case that you're busy all the time. It's that you have to be aware all the time, and that's a draining thing. You know, it's not. It's a case of. Um, keeping an eye on notifications and making sure that you're maintaining communication. And it's not a case of doing a to-do list. It's a case of having an open to-do list and being able to react. And, mm-hmm. and and unless you've got that time and you've got that space, I can understand that while people bring on a team to kind of manage it because it, it's the expectation of not knowing what's going to happen, the kind of thing, how to react to a comment. Do I release an update? It's not something. It's not something you can timetable in. You just have to react to the time. If something good happens, sure. send out an update. If there's comments on there, do you kind of kind of react to them? Exactly. Do you want? I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about aftershock itself? Absolutely, people would like there? to. Yeah. I think we should. Well, first of all, um, it just started today, so we're recording. Is it okay? I tell everybody we are recording oh, this course, on yeah. Tuesday, January twenty yes. ninth. Yes. We started this at. We started talking at. 3 p.m. Eastern time. That's around 8 p.m. Right by you yeah, in the, yeah, in the UK. Yeah. Did I get yeah. that right? Okay. Yeah. You did. Time zones. Very hard. Um, <laughs> so, um, so in uh, yeah, it's a thing. So uh, we're at 15, just just a couple bucks under 15 thousand dollars funded now of the 20 thousand goal. So yeah. obviously we're doing very well in only about whatever that comes out to, like uh, five six hours going. Uh, so we should be funded. We should be funded completely today, and then it's all the stretch goals all the time for the next 20 days. So hopefully, uh, first of all, hopefully people out there who are listening can go just check out Aftershock Deluxe Edition on Kickstarter under the Stronghold Games banner. Uh, and we, we of course, will have the game out uh, in the aftermarket. We'll have it out to regular distribution after that. We don't do exclusives. I don't believe in exclusives. There are things you get yeah. for free if you back the Kickstarter, the stretch goals. Anything that's part of uh, the Kickstarter uh, that is not going to be in the retail edition, then we'll put that out like on the website or mm-hmm. at conventions afterwards. I don't like exclusives. Yeah. I think that gives people a bad taste. So you won't miss anything. You'll just get it first and probably maybe a little cheaper if you do it via via the Kickstarter. But it's up to people. Just check it out to see if it's something for you anyway. So what is Aftershock? First of all, yeah. it's designed by Alan R. Moon. And Bobby West, you might know the name Alan Moon. He is one of the most successful designers, of course, in the industry. Ticket to Ride being probably the biggest selling game, if not maybe the second biggest selling with Catan uh, since the beginning of this hobby. Ticket to Ride can be purchased in like every every store – even if it's not a game store, every every card shop, every place, it's you everywhere. Know. It's just yeah. everywhere, and it is that good of a game, right? I mean, uh, it's it's an amazing gateway game. Both of those games with Catan too are great games that could bring people into the hobby. Now, yeah. um, uh, Ticket to Ride specifically has really stood the test of time from a design basis. Like, I think Catan has aged a little bit, um, you know. But but be that as it may, both are great games and very important. To the hobby. So Alan, who kind of went into retirement after he's he did a, he had so much success with this, and he had some other games, small games that came out. He kind of went into retirement a little bit. So the story is, but he's never stopped gaming, and he runs this gathering of friends, big invitation convention over in, in Syracuse, New York. Uh, I'm sorry, in Niagara Falls, New York, 
he lives in Syracuse, uh, once uh, per year. In his game group, a young designer said, well, you know, why don't we start working on some stuff? You know, I'd like to get in and, you know, working with you would be an honor. And he, they mm-hmm. started and this is their first collaborative design and it's, it's brilliant. It really is. Uh, it is thematically what has happened is that major after major earthquakes have occurred across, um, across the planet. You know, we've had some problems okay. and now, the San Francisco Bay Area has been hit particularly hard, as we know. That's a, a, a real epicenter for for earthquakes over over the course of time, and now it's time to rebuild. So, in aftershock, you're going to be bringing in people uh, and building bridges between the various portions of San Francisco, which have now basically are have gone parts of them have gone underwater. So you have to build bridges between the two. So it's an area control game. And a root building game at the same time. The coolest part of it, it's a closed economy. So you get money in the beginning of the game. And as you spend it, it's going to go actually to the other players in many, many oh, right. times. Okay. Yeah. And when they get it, they'll spend it. So the money will kind of go back and forth within, within the system, uh, which makes it very interesting. So you're never out of built, of bidding on the various projects, the various contracts that you can then get to put bridges down across the various parts of the map and to put population back into various areas. Uh, there's the more, uh, the better areas sort of of the map, like San Francisco itself. And, uh, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it wrong if I mention the, the wrong area now, like, uh, the ones that are adjacent. Those are kind of the more juicy areas. So you want to definitely try to get people in there, uh, some of your population. But of course, other people are doing the same thing. So maybe you want to focus on the outer lying areas that yeah. don't give you as many victory points, but you may be able to easily get victory points in those areas, uh, that other people don't get and they'll be fighting over over the over the juicier areas. And one of the major mechanics in the game also is the is the aftershock. There are aftershocks, major aftershocks and mega aftershocks, something like that. So, uh as uh you 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 can vie for the potential to have these things go off and of course if you have the ability to set them off, you'll be setting setting them off in areas where you'd like some of other people's population to run away to other areas versus yeah. your po- versus your population. So it's a give and take between trying to stay and manage the most people in an area and trying to shock others out of your area and where you're going to spend your money to do your projects and things like that. It's a really nice gateway game. Uh, it goes from two to five players in the base game and then there are um, – Stretch goals and things like that to go to a, to have a sixth player expansion um, uh, for for the game as well. So that's Aftershock by Alan R. Moon and Bobby West. Very excited about this game. Were you tempted just to publish it? I mean, when you were sitting down play testing it and saying, "Well, here we go." I mean, the you know the name, the Alan Moon name behind it's going to pick up a lot of you know. There's a lot of people going to say, "Right, I want to see what Alan did next." You know, but what made you decide to kind of take it to Kickstarter instead of just kind of announcing it between, mm-hmm. you know, you know, between yourselves as a company and saying, okay, you know, we've merged together. Here's a really, you know, mm-hmm. here's a really beautiful flagship title between ourselves and indie, mm-hmm. you know, indie boards and cars and action phase games. What, what, you know, what made you decide to go to Kickstarter? 
that's that's a good question. And that's when we picked up this game. This game, um, Alan, Alan and I are actually very good friends. Uh, we hadn't had a chance to work together yet because, again, he was kind of in retirement. Um, hmm. He likes Alan likes to say he likes to go on cruises and he likes to play poker. That's what he likes <laughs> to do with his life. You know, when 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 you've had such success, you don't have to work too hard you know you can just relax a little bit and play games so that was kind of what he did and he was running um his once a year convention so we got to know each other very well and then when he got back into this uh with bobby uh we signed it under stronghold and this was before indie boards and cards and stronghold were talking so we signed it we had to you know do some work this and that make sure everything was in place but then all of a sudden of course the merger occurred and I told Alan, I said, Alan, or, and, and in conversations with Travis as well, I said, you know, this would be a great way to get a lot of buzz on the game if we took yeah. this one as our first project, our first project under Stronghold in four years and put it on Kickstarter. Kickstarter is not uh, – Kickstarter has become versus what it really was initially for and, and, and what it is for a lot of people. It's become a marketing event. Lots of people – Certainly in the past were like, I got this idea. I want to put it there. In the board game category, many companies who've got capital and, and lots of people are using it as marketing event. And that's what it is for us. If you think about Simon, right? They were yeah. called Cool Mini or not at the time. Simon is the second largest company in the industry after, after Asmodee. And they put up almost all of their games on Kickstarter. Their games are so perfect for Kickstarter, of course, because of all the minis and all the glorious stuff that they can do to those games. However, they don't need the money. They do it because they get a lot of marketing out of it. And, of course, you do make more money, of course, if it, if it does hit well and you're making yeah. lots of direct sales. But the point is you get all of the eyes focused on this game. Right now on Board Game Geek, it's the number one game in the hotness, in, you know, right? It's even above, t- uh, above Terraforming Mars. Uh, t- uh, Aftershock is the number one game on the board game geek hotness. Now we did, we we timed it well. Again, we have talent now to to know to do this. We timed a contest last week. It's running right now. There's a contest on BGG yeah. that pushed it up higher. We announced it's going on Kickstarter this week. It hits Kickstarter. It's going to stay in that hotness, and it's going to stay at number one for several days at least. It's a guarantee because of all those events. It is a marketing event to put it out there. And now we're going to hit social media with it and all the great things that we would normally do. And you know that in the end, uh, whether it's a game for you or not, you know that this is going to be a fantastic production by Stronghold Games with the help of Indie Boards and Cards. We're going to do it and we're going to do it on or very close to the schedule that we have put out, which we have scheduled it for retail release or no, for, for release to Kickstarter backers in November. Uh, and I believe that we'll, it easily, I believe we will make that. I shouldn't say, I shouldn't overpromise, but I believe we will make that as mm-hmm. one would expect from a company who now has a combined total of over 40 successful Kickstarters uh, within it. In terms of um, it being live and it being there, is that because you sound really animated and excited? And I know you normally sound animated and excited anyway, <laughs> but you sound a little bit more animated and excited than normal. If I'm saying the Kickstarter, is it kind of exciting to be involved in the Kickstarter process? Oh, damn straight. <laughs> so, yes. So, I, I again, I didn't have to do any of the hard work for this, because thank, thankfully, yeah. because of it. But I, I mean, like, you know, there's, there, there, all my staff was doing, um, 
a lot of work of creating the pages and all that and the graphics and making sure everything was right. And I was just signing off. Okay. This is good. This is good. This is good. Uh, but now, you know, now being involved directly, uh, in a project, uh, that launched today, last night, I was like, Ooh, this is exciting. And this morning I woke up my coffee and I'm all, I'm grumpy in the morning. Uh, I was like, wait a minute. Hey, I got to get awake here. In two hours, we're going to have a, a Kickstarter running. So, so yeah, yeah. It was a very, very exciting day today to uh-huh. see that we are now over 15,000 as we're talking. People are continuing to pledge. We'll probably be funded yeah. today, as I mentioned. Very exciting times. And I can't wait to see as we unlock those stretch goals and what people start saying about it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, this, you know, it's almost a Kickstarter becomes a game within a game almost now. And I'm a gamer, so this is kind of cool. <laughs> would you put something out yourself? I mean, design-wise and stuff like that. Would you oh, d- consider d- d- me design a game? Yeah, I, sir, I'm not smart enough to be a designer. I've always oh, said I that. that. <laughs> I am. I'm smart enough to know what great games are because I've picked so many. I am a gamer and I'm a decent gamer, so I'm a smart gamer. Yeah. And I'm a businessman, and I'm a businessman, but I'm not a designer. <laughs> now I do it. The funny thing is that you said that this week. I have this idea. Big epiphany. Just I have it. I, I had a sort of an epiphany to do yeah. something, but and it's a and it's in a big way too. If it comes to fruition, will it? I don't know. I I if I had a bet <laughs> on it right now, I'm just really busy. So I. I mean, I'm gonna I'm going to work on it and get it together, and then yeah. basically hand hand it over and say this is the structure of what I want to see happen. I think this works. Uh-huh. Let's take it. Let's take it from this eighty percent to a hundred percent, and let's see if it happens. I don't I don't want my name on a box. It's not. It's obviously I've I've done all that, so to speak. My name is my name. Stronghold Games is me. It's on every game I've done. It's over a hundred titles, and it's in every. It's in most of those rule books as project manager too. My actual name. It says Stephen Monaco. I don't need that. It's not an ego yeah. thing. I, yeah. I'd like another great game that I could say. You know what? This makes sense because of this, and this is why we brought this game out. And if it works, it'll be a. It'll be a. It'll be a good one. It'll be a big one. I hope. Um. I hope the idea comes to fruition. Yeah. What about um. Two more questions, I guess, because I'm conscious of the time. The no um, the impact of digital, do you think that's going to continue? Do you think that there's going to be almost like a, a high, more hybrid kind of card games, board games, and kind of almost like a, a video game, board game kind of mixture as the technology kind of expands and improves? Um. The short answer is sure. Yes, it's 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 not going away. Let's put it that way, right? We're not going to see yeah. um, a retreat from what we see already. Um, I do not think, however, that um, a technology integration will dominate most games because I don't think that that's why people are here, right? People are here in this space because they're actually – eschewing the great word they're actually going away from they're saying i don't want to be plugged in i don't want this this electronic thing here i want to sit around this table i want to compete or cooperate with you and i want to have this experience maybe with an adult beverage next to me that's how i game almost (laughs) 90 percent of the time and just enjoy our company and this experience now 
if the electronic device can enhance the experience, so be it. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to my buddy Ignacy Chevichek of Portal Games yes. and what he accomplished with Detective. Um, and yeah, it's a phenomenal game with a phenomenal concept that he worked on tirelessly forever to, to pull off. And, uh, again, uh, this is not a, this is a plug for him that I get nothing back on other than you, I am, I, I'm enamored with his genius and what he can pull off. Uh, so the, the idea of, of electronics coming in and being part of the scene of tabletop gaming, sure. Taking over it, no. Maybe being a little bit more than it is now because, like you said, it's in its infancy. Really, it's only a last yeah. couple of years, few years that we've been seeing it. So we'll see more and exciting, more other, more and exciting other ideas happening with it. Um, but definitely not to the to the extent that it'll be like a uh, a Borg where where they're <laughs> almost like join those two things and they'll always be like that. I think tabletop gaming will always be ninety five plus percent physical pure and then there'll be that five or less percent of games that have some integration yeah yeah i mean i think i totally agree with you i think there'll be cases for augmented reality and i've seen that a little bit sure on D campaigns where people are playing on a screen and the screen changes as the guys go about i've seen yep. the things like the dice app where people are using applications in order to help them learn games and there's obviously things like tabletop simulator my issue personally for me is i'm with you i like sitting around with my buddies on a friday night playing cardboard and then it's not about okay it's your move it's also about well how's your week and it's the kind of the social kind of interaction side of things and my concern with all these things is if you bring a phone to a table then it's too easy for people to end up looking at their phones yeah which is i I, I like the I like the cardboard side of things, you know, check your phone. If you're going to be doing it, take photographs. But, you know, I don't want people kind of, because it's easy for them to sneak a look and say, I'll just check Twitter or Instagram or Snap Face or whatever these, whatever <laughs> these young kids are looking at nowadays, you know. Right. So be in the moment. <laughs> we're all, exactly. we're all here to have that. Let's be in this, let's be in this moment uh, yeah. to the extent we can. Uh, you know, some people have to for work exactly. or for their kids or things like that. But let's be in this moment. Let's be together experiencing this together because, well, that's what we're here for. So let's do it. Exactly. Now, one more question, okay? No problem, man. You, you come into a meeting, okay? And... <laughs> You're saying down is this, the t- is, this is this a meeting of of like of indie boards and cards and stronghold games or is this like yeah. like my my indie, IT yeah. career back on Wall Street? No, Those no. are the scary ones. Okay, <laughs> scary. <meeting. laughs> okay, so you're set. You're sitting down indie board and cards yourself. Yeah, and Asmodee, the Asmodee guy turns up. He knocks at the door. <laughs> he comes. He walks in. Okay, he says, Stephen, we we kind of want you as part of the family. And in order to help you be part of the family, okay, we're going to give you whatever we want, but also we've got the power to give you any three board games you want from anywhere at all. We can make it happen. We, You know, first editions, reprints, expansions. Just tell me what, you know, what three games do we need to put on this table to make you even speak to us about having a meeting? So that's the question. What th- If you could have any three games at all, Board games from past, present. What three games would you like to add or have in your collection? You know what I would take? 
Yeah. I would take three copies uh-huh. of the collector's edition of uh-huh. War of the Ring. Do you know what that is? You know I've what that is? Of, yes, yes, very. Yeah. It's very, uh, very. it came out when it came out. It was four hundred dollars. Now you can't see a copy for under two thousand. I have a copy of it, by the way, with everything that's ever been put out. Of course, you it's do. my pride because I am. Because War of the Ring is my single favorite game on the planet. It it is my. And again, this is not in my catalog. Of course, it's my single. <laughs> it's the most thematic, mechanically sound, thematically um, excellent. It's just genius uh that game and i love it on every level and if i was able to get three more copies of that i would give it to people who love this game as much as i do and i have uh i have friends and acquaintances that have come up to me and said you're right this is the greatest i love it i wish i had the collector's edition i just have the regular one and i've painted it uh but yeah that's and it's the collector's edition the way that um Ares Games did that when they when they actually brought that thing out is so gorgeous and it comes in a wooden box that opens with a hinge and it looks like when you're holding it you look like a hobbit because the thing is about three the the box is about three feet by two feet wow. so like a a, a meter by two thirds of a it's, meter it's yeah just, it's actually it's yeah, humongous it's yeah. so you it's hold a- it and you literally look like a hobbit holding this book uh, and it's just the most gorgeous production of any game and. You know, I'm I'm a uh, I'm not man who 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 must have any. I just I have to have something. So if I could have three more of them, I I would have them and give them to people who would cherish them as much as me. And I, I am honest about that. Then you would probably take the three copies and then give you know give the Asmodee guy a clip around the ear. And, say, and then I say, and then I say, get out. I take the copies and say, I'll, I'll think about the meeting. Get out. I'll, t- I'll think about it. Go on. Go on. Don't let the door bang you in the ass in the <laughs> end, you know? <laughs> nah. I do love them. I, and I, and I have lots of friends, uh, at Asmodee, including the, the former CEO of Asmodee North America, Chris Petersons. I yeah. consider him a, a very good friend. Uh, he's, he's been very good to me in, in discussions about various topics in the industry. Um, and I think net, net, they've done a great job. It's just Absolutely. that, you know what? There's room for other people at the top, so you know. While we're yeah. always going to be smaller, that goes without saying, because they are a multi—well, they're a billion-plus-dollar company. Yeah. I'd like to. We're going to grab a little bit of their share on the way up. That's all just I'm going to slice. That's the slice. slice. This is just a slice. It's a little bit just, for everybody out there. Just a New Jersey slice. <laughs> a New Jersey <laughs> slice. I like it. Very nice, <laughs> Richard. You got some good ones out there. Very nice. There you go. If people want to keep an eye on you and what you're up to, where can we find you on the internet webs? And I feel insulted that I even have to ask you this question. That's okay. It's like- That's it's a good way to close the show, right? Well, yeah. I always tell people, please um, go over to strongholdgames.com. We keep our website updated with our release schedule. It's right there on the on the front at the top, so you can see everything coming out that we've announced so far. You can, of course. Go check out the Aftershock Kickstarter on on Kickstarter. You'll you'll yep. like looking you'll like looking at the videos and what we put together. That's it looks really great. Uh, I am personally very interactive with the fans on Twitter. It's sort of my uh, my way of really staying in touch with people. I put up most of the posts out there. Sometimes some of my staff do as well, but I answer all the ones that 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 come out there. And I'm, so I'm the one. If you want to actually talk to me. Hit me up on Twitter. We've got an Instagram account as well. Our Facebook page constantly gets updated. It's at slash stronghold games, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if you want to talk like this with me more, 
Board Games Insider Podcast, which exactly, is my yeah. which is yeah. my weekly to bi-weekly podcast with Ignacy Chevicek, the president of Portal Games. Yeah. We have an industry podcast where we do a half hour to 45 minutes uh, every week to two weeks, and we basically talk about the industry. We take questions from our guild on Board Game Geek, news from the industry, and of course, what's happening at both companies to keep everybody everybody up to date. So... That's it. I hope people will check us out there at Board Games Insider as well. Thank you, Richard, so much for having you're me on. You're, you're, you're the man. You're the man, Richard. Even if you don't like terraforming, you know, there's I no accounting, even, no, come on, no accounting just, for taste. <laughs> I'm a load of minor misjudgment now and again. What we'll do is we'll make sure we put all the, we'll put all the shows, all the notes in the show notes so we've got notes to show. Thank um, you. If you if you want to keep an eye on what we are up to, go to the go to the internet web. Search for We're Not Wizards. You'll find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us on our website, We're Not Wizards dot com. We're Not Wizards dot blogspot dot com. You can email us magic at We're Not Wizards dot com, and you can also find us on the various podcast catchers. So your Stitcher, Spreaker, Aircast, Castbox. Podknife, Podbean, all those wonderful different places. If you like what you've listened to tonight, and you sh- you you have to have, <laughs> you have to have, <laughs> then do us a favor and tell somebody else that we exist. Um, the other thing you can do though is if you um, if you do like what you've listened to tonight, please go to Apple Podcasts and drop us a subscription. If you like us even more than that, then consider giving us a rating or a review. Now, as we say. Don't give us 10 stars, because it makes us big-headed. But don't give us one star, because it makes us cry. Give us something in the <laughs> middle, like a five, because it's average. And we're just just a little bit average, you know. But the person who's not been average tonight is the wonderful, the fantastic Mr. Stephen Bonacore. Thank you again, sir, for coming on. Thank you. Thank you, Rich, for having me. I really appreciate it. Great time. And, and there's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Stephen? (laughs) We're not wizards. Definitely not. (laughs) And I just have to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Stephen. Say goodbye, Stephen. Bye-bye, everybody. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll6s.com. And, um, yeah, I I can't, you know, how do I finish this one? I just, I'm just going (laughs) to, how, you know, Goodbye. Say say goodnight, Richard. Goodnight, Richard. There you go. That's how I was hoping you get that. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.